Well, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Toys in every store. Take a look at the something. Down. You know what I mean? So, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Pacers Pod. I welcome you with a Christmas carol. And glad that uh, we're here doing this thing tonight. It's Wednesday, November 28th. Uh, the Pacers just finished a game last night against the Phoenix Suns that they won. Um, that I'll get into a little later. Uh, the last time I had a podcast, it was right before Thanksgiving. And it's kind of been, um, well, it's been a great week, but also a week that I've paid the least amount of attention to the Pacers um, since the season began. So I uh, I missed the Charlotte Hornets game. I missed the San Antonio Spurs game. I missed the Utah Jazz game. But I did watch the Phoenix Suns game, which was last night. So I've seen the most recent game. But um, just with the holidays and being out of town and off the off the routine, you know, I just didn't didn't get the games. And this is why I'm not an expert. So I'm not trying when I'm talking shit on the mic. It's not um, from a high high chair. I'm just uh, I'm just a casual casual viewer of the Pacers. Um, but yeah, so the games that I missed, uh, let's I guess I'll just back up, just kind of fill in this past week. So Oladipo has been out with a knee injury, I believe right knee injury, um, all week. So he's missed his fifth straight game, I believe, after that, since he wasn't playing last night against the. Uh, oh, actually, I know it's his. If you count the game he played against the Hawks, he's missed because he only played a couple minutes, then he's he's been out the last six games. Um, the Pacers went, have gone, uh, let's see, I'm kind of get, getting a little lost here, but um, yeah, so Oladipo's been out. The Pacers lost to Charlotte. They That was a road game. They lost to the San Antonio Spurs at home. So they wasn't looking very good, right? And then they went on this road trip, uh, started out with the Utah Jazz, and they crushed the Jazz. And then last night, the game that I, I got to watch against the Suns, the Pacers came out with another win. Um, and they've been without Oladipo this whole time. So I say that because since I didn't watch a lot of the games, um, and it just so happens to be with a record of 13-8, and eight, that's 21 games into the season, we're, we're at the quarter way point. Um, if we're racing a mile, we just finished the first lap. And so it's like, okay, let's... Uh, we know it's a long race. You still got three more laps, but there are some things at the quarterway point that you could, you know, evaluate and maybe um, make predictions on how the rest of the, the race might might turn out. Um, so that's what I'm going to do tonight, rather than kind of get into the the details of the games. Just kind of give a, a a report card, I guess, on the first quarter for the Pacers and. I'll just start by saying, you know, that after 21 games, they're 13 and eight. So a couple of games, five games over 500. Um, and they're sitting fourth in the Eastern Conference. So 
I would say, you know, that's pretty darn, I mean, that's good, right? Like, I think I, if you would have told me at the beginning of the season, hey, the Pacers will be 13 and eight and fourth in the conference, I'd say, okay, I mean, that's a pretty good start. Um, not a great start, not a horrible start, but a good, a good start. Um, they're where they should, where they should definitely have been. Um, so I would say overall, I'd just give the Pacers a B for that, for the first quarter here. Um, and I've got some reasons why, uh, some, I guess just some, I don't think that the, that we've exceeded expectations yet. Um, there's been some good things going on, but, you know, I'd I'd say we're just kind of doing what we should be doing. You know, everyone's about the same as they were last year. Um, and we, we're not, when, when the guys on ESPN are talking about the NBA, they're not bringing up the Pacers and they're hot 15 and, and five start or something like when they're, they're the Milwaukee Bucks are getting that attention. And that, that's something that the Pacers I thought could have been this season. It would be like the team, like the Milwaukee Bucks, like being one of those, like, wow, these guys are really good. And, and I was thinking that way because of, I thought the chemistry that the Pacers would have, um, I thought the depth and, but, you know, they're not doing a bad job. They just, they're not exceeding expectations at this point in the season. And I would, I would say that the team would probably agree with that. Um, you know, I know there's some players like Miles Turner who've been maybe a little, um, you know, he'll say things like I got to get better. And, um, so, you know, I think it's a pretty fair assessment to say, you know, the Pacers are a B. Like, they're working hard. They're not slacking off and getting C's. Um, they're not underachieving by any means. So I'd say give them a B grade on that first lap. And here's some of the, I would say, just, you know, my comments that I would I would write on the report card for, for what I've seen over this first lap. And the first thing that jumps out because it's so new and fresh is that the Pacers are winning games this year without Oladipo. Granted, the competition hasn't been great, but last year, if we remember, the Pacers went 0-7 when they were playing without Victor Oladipo in the lineup. And this year, the Pacers are 4-2 um, in the six games that we've been without Oladipo. And even though the teams haven't been great, we're getting the W's and that's what's keeping our season afloat. And uh, that's a good sign. And I think that's a good sign, um, you know, that the Pacers are a team that the other guys have gotten good enough that, that we can, that they can carry us without Oladipo against bad teams. So Guys like Bojan and, and Sabonis, they've stepped up and the Pacers have, have won some games without their best player. And Vic is by far our best player. It's one of those situations where it's not like it's not like if um, you know, the 76ers lost their best player. If like if if Embiid went down, they'd still have, you know, Ben Simmons or um Jimmy Butler that they could rely on. But you know, the Pacers lose in Oladipo, there's a pretty, pretty steep job pretty steep drop. Um, but yeah, and then, you know, I would make a note to Victor, you know, I would say that 
Oladipo has been a little better than last year. I think he has, and not just because of the numbers, but I think of the play. I think he's definitely improved from last year, but I think he still has more room to improve. And he had a, he had that run whenever he was hitting those clutch shots um, against like the Bulls and the Knicks earlier in the season. And then, uh, and that was a good sign to see, you know, like he's, he's still got that in him. Uh, he's the leader of the team when he's healthy. And um, his points are about the same as they were last year. I think he's at 22 a game right now. His rebounding is up. He's over seven. I, I think his assists are uh, just over four. So he's having a, he's having a really good three point shooting season. He is struggling from the free throw line, but you know he's playing great defense. He's he's a he's one of the best two way players in the league still. I would say he's his stock is continuing to rise. There's nothing that says he's not going to continue to get better and better. Um, but he just hasn't blasted it out of the gates. Like I think he could end up hitting a stride this season where people start talking about him like he's you know one of the top 10, uh, 15 players in the league. And I don't think his name is quite that is not there yet. Although after winning most improved last season, and I would say improving again this year, um, he just doesn't have as much buzz as he did last year, but that doesn't mean he's having um, a lesser season because I think he's actually, he is performing better. Um, so that's kind of where I think Oladipo is at. He's, he's, he's in a good position, but still a little bit more room to improve, I would think. Um, I'd say the big surprise, and this would be like the comparison between, like I'd say Oladipo gets a B plus and DeMontis Sabonis gets a, an A plus or an A. Maybe I don't want to give an A plus yet, maybe. Um, but let's just call it an A. But man, Sabonis has been the highlight of the season in my eyes. I think I had no idea he would be this good. Um, <laughs> like, I, I mean, I know I remember watching him last year and he put together games like he had a couple double doubles last year. Um, when Turner was out, I remember he, when he was getting some more minutes, but man, he's made a jump this year where I think if he was getting more minutes, he would honestly be in the all-star conversation because he's averaging almost 15 points a game. His rebounds are up to 10 a game. So he's averaging a double, double, uh, at this point in the season. And he's at the, he's averaging a double, double in 24 minutes of play. So Sabonis so has just been a huge surprise to, to the Pacers. And I think he's, um, without him, this would be, without this jump that Sabonis is taking, it, it would be a, a, a more somber year for the Pacers, I think, just because some of the other guys have been a little underwhelming. But so having him as this bright spot and him being so young, um, I think Sabonis is 21 maybe 22. This is his third year in the league. So he's one, he's a young guy and you know, his dad, I, I don't, I don't get, I don't need to talk about Sabonis. I, I've, I've gone down that trail before, you know, about his, his lineage. And I just think the sky's the limit for Sabonis and he's second in the league in field goal percentage. And that's on 15 points. It's not like he's pulling, you know, um, like six points a game and, and shooting three or three from the field. Like he's, he's actually putting up shots he just, he's always around the basket, you know, he's not shooting as many deep shots that he's either mid range or, or in the paint. So, uh, yeah, so he's at like 67% from the field, second in the league. And 
the thing, one thing I really, I think why I, I love Sabonis so much is just it, the emotion that he plays with. I just feel like he's got to be an amazing teammate, you know, like, um, and actually you, you hear about guys like that. Like I know, I know Sabonis, Sabonis and, and Oladipo are tight. They, they, there's been conversation about how, you know, they're like basketball brothers, I think is what they call themselves. And then uh, just after this, this past game um, that the Pacers played it in Phoenix, Turner and Sabonis both had double doubles, which I could, which is amazing. Like to have two guys that basically play the same position, both getting a double double. I think that's probably pretty rare. I mean, that'd be interesting to look up. Like, obviously, there's many times that um, a team will have two or more two guys get double or get a double double in a game, but that's usually coming from like a big man and a small guy. But I don't. I think it might be pretty rare, especially these in the NBA today, right? Where you're getting double doubles from two front court players. And uh, oh, I said I said all that because uh, Turner was getting interviewed after the game. So him and Sabonis both had double doubles, you know. And Jeremiah Johnson was like, you know, you. You had a great game, um, you know. Last, he's like, you stepped up tonight. The previous night, it was Sabonis, and Turner said something along the lines of like, you know, we're. Um, it doesn't matter who has a big night. Like, if it's me, if it's Domas, if it's both of us, like, as long as we win, um, like his success is my success, and vice versa. And so, that to me just shows like. Sabonis and Turner, it's awesome that they are tight because from the outside, it looks like that would be a a relationship that could have some conflict because, you know, we're trying to figure out what to do with these two players because they're both interesting assets in their own right. And um, they kind of play the same position. And you've got Sabonis, who's first quarter of the year here he's he he's 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 got to get a starting spot like these numbers that he's putting up are ridiculous uh, and i'm not saying this year this i mean i do think it should happen this year but just the the relationship between sabonis and turner could easily be one in which um they're kind of competing against each other for touches for stats to you know turner's trying to keep his starting lineup job or, you know, I'm sure Sabonis would want to start. Like, how you know, how long is he going to be happy off the bench? But to hear how they are, like, you know, cool, um, that's a great sign. And I think that just goes, you know, to – I mean, that is a good thing for both of, both of the guys, but I was kind of crediting it to Sabonis and the, the type of player, team, type of teammate he seems like he would be. There was a, there was a play during the uh, – Phoenix Suns game where Sabonis and Bojan were, oh, Sabonis had the ball down on the low low post. He definitely traveled, but he was getting banged around by a couple guys, put the shot up. He missed the shot, but Bojan jumped up and grabbed the offensive rebound over these same guys that were roughing up Sabonis. Bojan goes up, like does like a shot fake, gets the defenders up in the air. Then he goes up to take a shot. 
he gets fouled, he, but it's a hard foul, and he smashes on the ground. And as soon as the whistle blows, as Bojan's hitting the floor, you see Sabonis kind of like grab both of his fists and go, Rah! like he's like yelling, like right towards Bojan. And he, uh, when Bojan's up, he gives him a big old ass smack. And it was like, this dude is out there. He's like a warrior in a sense. Like he is, compare him to like the way that Tyreek Evans his body language like Tyreek Evans got a technical foul in that game and when he's talking it's like you can't even tell he's talking his it's his beard covers up half of his face so it's hard to see any sort of expression um but anyways I'm just saying like Sabonis you know that's he he kind of reminds me almost of like that he he can he can bring some energy kind of like Draymond Green does for the Warriors you know like he's kind of in a sense he's kind of our tough guy because Turner, as much as we love Turner, he's not at all a resemblance of an enforcer. He's not going to be the one at this point in his career setting the tone physically in the post. Um, and so I, I'm just, you know, I, I'm, I'm really surprised and shocked and thrilled with Sabonis. Um, I'm buying all the stock I can buy of Sabonis at this point. I think this, I think he could potentially, you know, be an all-star in his career, be the victor's running mate, and we could have, you know, some real good success. Like, that's the thing of, that I sometimes forget about the Pacers. When I think of the Pacers, I think of them as, um, like, a good team, but I forget how young we are because when you think about it, we have the old core right now, which is that Thad Young – Darren Collison, Bojan, well, not even Bojan, really, but Collison, Thad Young, and those guys are kind of, um, I don't know, for whatever reason to me, they just, it feels like we might have got the best we could get from them now. They don't feel like they're on the upswing, and the fact that they're both starting, I don't like, but, you know, anyways, it's like, Really, the team is made is it the future could be Sabonis, Turner, Oladipo at the age of 25 or 26, whatever he is, um, Bojan at 28 years old, I believe, Aaron Holiday. Um, so yeah, I just I like well, I like Turner and I like Sabonis together, um, which was something that we saw quite a bit of in this Phoenix game. And because obviously they both ended up with double doubles and uh, I, I just, I just thought that was neat. You know, like that's something that if, if we start, if we put Sabonis in the lineup for Thad Young, then nights like this could happen more where Turner and Sabonis both get double doubles. I could see that being a thing in the future, like the double, double trouble, you know, bad boy pacers. Um, and, and it was interesting. I know, you know, this, I'm just coming off of this game against Phoenix that I watched, but there was obvious mismatches with when you have Sabonis and Turner in the game at the same time off on the offensive end. And they, and the Pacers were doing a really good job of exploiting that against the Suns where you'd see ISO posts up with just Sabonis or Turner, whoever Phoenix's power forward would be because Phoenix was not going to be able to play two guys big enough to handle 
Sabonis and Turner at the same time. And when you think about the landscape of the NBA, how everybody's moved to more of a spread offense with longer, leaner guys, um, like a little bit more of like a small ball where a lot of teams are playing, you know, um, players at the at the power forward position who in the past would would be a small forward or play that three. And when you got Turner and Sabonis out there, both of those guys are very good offensive players and especially in the post. And so you can pick one, you can pick that mismatch and feed that all night long. Um, Or at least in, this would be a good idea, throw out Turner and Sabonis when you're resting Oladipo maybe. But obviously, um, I just think that that'd be a good weapon right there. Yeah, it obviously it, it definitely is. Um, but I would say overall, you know, here for the first quarter, Miles Turner has kind of struggled. So I, I could view it from just the last three or four games that he's he's been. I'd say he's kind of turned the corner. Um, but the first quarter. It looked like Miles was, oh man, he got off to a slow start. And he'll say that. I think I mentioned that already. You know, he knows he needs to improve. And the past week, it feels like, oh, we might be getting a new Miles Turner. Like he might have taken a dip. He might have taken that step where he's got some some more confidence. And I think, you know, especially if him and Sabonis start playing together, maybe there could be something there as we look, as we move on to the second lap, right? Like, um, First lap, Turner struggled, but he he's making a move as we head into the second lap here. He's fourth in the NBA in blocks. Last night he had five blocks. He's had a bunch of games of just three or more blocks at a time. His he's averaging 2.7, which is fourth in the NBA, right, right there, right next to Anthony Davis. So, you know, he's getting those block shots, which is awesome. And like I said, he's had a great pa- the past week's been great. He's averaging like 16 points, you know, eight or nine boards. Uh, all those blocks and he's doing it on a very efficient shooting from the field. So Turner's on the upswing. Sabonis is on the upswing. We're going to get Oladipo back. Um, even though the Pacers, I gave him a B overall, you know, I just think things could, things could definitely change here. And I, they've not, I don't, they've not lost any of their upside potential um, this season. The Pacers are fourth this year in the, in the NBA in defensive rating and second in points allowed. So they are a team that, you know, Nate McMillan prided himself on defense. He was an all defensive player back in his heyday when he played for the Sonics. And this team's about defense. And they, that's, I mean, that's what Nate preaches is defense and the Pacers are, you know, they're performing fourth in defensive ratings, second in points allowed. They, the Pacers themselves, you know, I mean, that really, that's why they're in the, they're, I mean, they're only giving up 102 points a game, which anytime you look at the box scores these days, it's like everybody's average. Everybody's up at like 110, 115, a lot of games in the 120s. But the Pacers have done a good job and um, they're doing great on defense. That's something that, you know, oh, hey, that's a good sign, you know, looking at it from uh, kind of taking a quarter, quarter of the season by quarter of the season. Um, another feature that the Pacers have displayed this this um, last couple of weeks or the, this beginning of the season 
is the depth that this team has. I think you can put it up against, you know, anybody at least. Well, actually, I shouldn't say anybody because I'd say Toronto and Boston might have something to say about this. But um, the Pacers' depth has been really good this year. Uh, with We've got seven guys almost at double figures. Two of them have nine points a game. But um, you got, you know, Tyreek is doing – he's doing all right. Um, I'm trying to think here. You know, I don't need to go through all the guys, but, you know, basically seven of them are almost averaging 10 a game. And lately, Doug McDermott's been hot. He's had the past two nights, he's had 21 points. He had five threes against Phoenix, and they were clutch threes too. So McDermott and Holiday, those are two guys. Aaron Holiday, he's, you know, our second round, or not second round, first round draft pick this year. I think we got him with the 20th, 20 or 20, in the early 20s draft or draft pick. And the last, you know, two weeks, especially since Oladipo's gone down, Holiday's been getting some consistent playing time. He's had a couple of really good games. He basically won us won us a game. Um, what game was that? Man. You know, I don't remember. I think it might have been the Hawks, actually. But, uh, yeah, it was the Hawks. He came in, and, and I think he was, he was a spark plug off the bench there. But uh, he's, he's had consistent play. And he's been a good, uh, good playmaker out there, and so he's earned some spots. And he he might be a rotational guy. Um, so yeah, the the Pacers' depth though has just been really good, and that to me is one of their what would you call it? Like one of their finishing moves or one of their best skills when you're looking at when you're comparing the Pacers to other um, teams in the NBA, especially the elite teams in the NBA, you can kind of, you can kind of formulate these weapons. And one of the weapons that the Pacers have, and maybe their strongest weapon would be their, their depth. And the fact that when they go to their bench, you know, a lot of times they're going to make up some, they're going to make up a lot of ground and, and good luck, you know, going up against the Pacers bench. So that's been awesome to see. And Let's see what else I have here. Yeah, I've said it last couple podcasts, but I think we're due for a starting lineup change still. It seems like with Old Depot being out, the rotations have, you know, obviously they've they've been different, and it's not that same rotation. Whenever it's just like, well, we know our five starters, and blah blah blah. It's it was definitely it's it's been one night Sabonis closed out the game, one night Turner closed out the game. You know, holidays getting some minutes. Um, there's been some shuffling, and so I, I know watching that Pacers game, there was uh, a time when Corey Joseph was out there rather than Tyreek. So, you know, I just think it's it's something that you know we should keep an eye out for, and maybe I think it just has to be. It's that you got to capitalize on the brightest thing that's happened so far, which is Sabonis. So I think you just have to empower Sabonis to take on more. Just let him let him get as much as he can. And um, that's my opinion, starting lineup change. And I still think, you know, it, it could be Turner, Sabonis, Bogdanovich, Oladipo, and Corey Joseph. 
to me, that still seems like the best starting lineup. But we'll see. I understand the concerns playing Turner and, and Sabonis at the same time. But like I was saying earlier, you know, that double-double trouble, maybe that could be something. And if that turns into something, now you've got a new weapon. And you got a weapon that I think is better than the weapon of having, you know, Sabonis off the bench and riding with Darren Collison and Thad Young. Um, yeah, so I still think that the Pacers are. Oh, you, wait, let me back up. One thing with that, so the weapon of the Sabonis and Turner, right? Like, I remember in the preseason, Nate McMillan talking about how they might run a lot of two big lineups because the Eastern Conference might have, uh, what what do you say? Like with LeBron leaving Cleveland, there might be teams that are, are running out two bigs. And he mentioned like, uh, Jonas Valanciunas and Serge Ibaka. Um, I think that's the only one. Oh, he mentioned Gri- uh, Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. Um, but really, when you think about the elite teams, Tor- Toronto is actually not playing both of those guys at the same time. They're playing Pascal Siakam, who's one of those long 6'9 dudes, and then playing Serge at the five. So anyways, I'm just saying that with the Pacers having Turner and Sabonis out there at the same time, I think that could create a, um, a big advantage for the Pacers. And so that could be one of our best weapons. You have that weapon with the weapon of depth, with the weapon of a top 10 to 15 player, which in Oladipo, plus the weapon of a defensive identity, um, you know, now you're talking about a team that I believe are Eastern Conference, you know, Eastern Conference finals contenders. Potentially, you know, I think that especially the fact that Boston's got off to such a slow start, I'm still in, I'm still not selling Boston stock. I, I think they'll turn it around, and I, I still believe that Boston is the team to beat in the East. Um, but, you know, I haven't seen – well, Milwaukee's been – I have not watched much of Milwaukee. Toronto's look great. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, if the Pacers can develop those weapons, then they could be right up there with those teams and, and vying for a chance to, to make it to the NBA finals. So, but right now that is something that is definitely attainable, but we're not there yet. I don't, I haven't seen the kind of play from the Pacers this first part of the season that makes me think they can compete with Toronto and that they can compete with Milwaukee, that they can compete with Boston. They can compete with Philadelphia now that they've got Jimmy Butler. That's going to be a The Eastern Conference is pretty darn good, and at the top of it is. Then there's a big drop, right? And then it goes to Detroit Pistons right now. So the Pacers are fourth in the East. Detroit's fifth. And then Boston's actually sixth. But Boston, they're going to be a top team. And I would say the Pacers, from what I've seen, I think they're closer in 
caliber of a team to Detroit than they are to Philadelphia, Toronto, Boston, and Milwaukee. And that's not what I want to say. I'd rather say that they they are one of those top teams and that they should be considered as a top team in the East. But I don't think they've shown that they are that yet. But many things are possible when Oladipo comes back. We keep playing with Turner turning the corner, getting production from Doug McDermott. Um, you know, the Pacers are not, they have not peaked yet. And so we don't know how fast they are yet. Um, yeah, so I'd say that's basically, you know, kind of in summary, the first quarter of the season. I've really enjoyed, I've really enjoyed watching these games and talking about it here on the pod. It's, uh, it's been a lot of fun. And I look forward to more games. They start tomorrow um, against get to see Lance again. So the Pacers are on that road trip and they go to they play the Lakers and then they play they're at Sacramento and then they have the Bulls next. So three definitely winnable games. Hopefully Oladipo comes back for one of those. I heard he's not playing against the Lakers. So but hopefully we see him against Sacramento or Chicago. I'd probably prefer to just have him come back against Chicago, which is that home game. And the Bulls are, well, they've given us troubles this year, but in theory, the Bulls are a bad team. But uh, yeah, and it's kind of nice to see the bench guy, or not the bench guys, just the team without Oladipo and how they're gelling together and stuff. So three winnable games and, you know, good start. We'll see see how this thing plays out. Um, so that's the Pacer talk. Now I'm going to, uh, I got a couple things here, just some good stuff for this section. Had a great Thanksgiving. Um, had a real good time, you know, kind of, I had some, I had some of those, I had a moment where I kind of had like a, a breakthrough moment with like a family member. One where you're like, oh, I like we get each other more now than we did prior to this, this hangout, like, Oh, cool. So I had that with, with somebody. Um, and it's just good to see, good to see family. And, um, I'm trying to think if there was any, we just didn't do much, you know, just a lot of sitting around, but it was cool. It was a good Thanksgiving. And then actually on the way back from Kentucky, my wife and I, we stopped in Louisville for the night and that was a lot of fun. We, we lived it up like we were 23 again and uh, it was a great time. Um, let's see, last night I, had a, I, I got to go to a really cool event and I don't want to sound um, like braggadocious um, on myself here, but it was with Big Brothers and Big Sisters. So I volunteer for Big Brothers, Big Sisters. I've done it for four years now. I've been with the same little for four years. And last night they had a fundraiser that we participated in the fashion show portion of. And uh, it was just a lot of fun to uh, get to go to an, an event like like that with with my little. And it was uh, it, it was really, really well put on like 
they had hors d'oeuvres and they served you at your table and there was a silent auction and it was just a people were dressed up and it was a good it was a cool experience for um I know my little and his family and so uh it, it was just a it was a time to uh you know it kind of just went it was a, just a perfect timing um it goes right along with Thanksgiving and and trying to think about other things besides myself all the time. So, um, man, it was, it was a cool event. Um, and then the last thing is I'm recommending the song because my wife showed me this song. It's called Mirror and the band, this is how out of touch I am. I don't know if the band is called I-D-E-R or Ider or it or I don't know. I, I've never heard their name pronounced, but it's spelled I-D-E-R and it's all capitalized. Um, but the song is called Mirror and it is such a good song. If not, if it's just anybody could like it. It was on, uh, what was it? It was on Alt Nation, which is something that uh, my wife, she finds music on that. And then I generally find music from Spotify. So we're getting it from, from two ways. So that was a nice find by her. I would encourage anyone to check it out. It's a, it's a really good listen. And uh, that's about it for this episode, I believe. And yeah, that's about it. So hope everybody has a good evening and rest of the work week here, Thursday and Friday to go. Um, I'll probably hop on here maybe Sunday again after the um, Kings game, maybe. That'd be good. So, all right. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.